And uh, we are glad that you are here with us on this Wednesday night. We are in the third week of a series that we have started that we have titled The Actions of Hope. As we are talking about this season of preparation, uh, as we are preparing in 2022 for what God has in store for us as we begin to move forward, um, we are making preparations, we are making plans. I've had a couple meetings in the last couple of days uh, with, with a few people that we have been talking about plans as we get out ahead and we get into uh, the better weather that's coming. I'm excited about things that God, doors that God has going to open and just great opportunities that are ahead of us and and so we are making plans but we need to walk these plans out in hope and hope is not just some pie in the sky well we hope this works out no hope is based in the fact that Christ is in control and has a plan and so with hope biblical hope comes actions and we have been walking through Romans chapter 8 we finished up we started in verse um, 18 and we went to the end there of Romans chapter 8 and tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter number 12 is where we're going to be this evening uh, but we were talking about all throughout Romans 8 it talked about hope in those at verse 18 down through the end of that chapter talked about hope there are actions that come with the people of hope and that's where we've been I'm not going to go back into all of that you can go back and find those online if you want to catch back up but let me just share with you the the topics that we hit we looked at the church and and why can the church have hope because that's where this series is really uh, based upon the church and the kingdom of God people that we are and we talked about the promised church we have hope because we are a promised church we are known by God uh, uh, we are planned for success by God, and we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we have hope. We are the promised church. We are the Pentecost church or the poured out upon church. And because of that, it gives us hope. And because of that, we are waiting. We are empowered. And we are, in, and we are preparing for all that God has for us. And so that brings us hope. And then the third area is then we are now the pursuing church. So the promised church gives way to the Pentecost poured out upon church who then in, uh, in once we have received and been poured upon, then we become the pursuing church. And it's not just church bodies, it's every individual. We need to follow that path. When we understand we are promised, when we are poured out upon by the Spirit and we begin to walk in His power, then we begin to pursue all that God has for us and we pursue in hope. And so that's where we are. That's what we were looking at. We talked last week that we wait expectantly, expectantly and long earnestly. That we wait with patience and composure. So in the process, we are, are waiting with patience and composure. You can go back and hear all of that. We are assured and we know that we have a design and purpose. And then we are persuaded beyond doubt. We're going to pick up there a little bit tonight. All right, let's get into this. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be this evening. And I think rather than reading the entire chapter... Because we're not going to make it through the entire chapter tonight. I'm only going to read, uh, read with you the verses that, that I, I have anyway as a plan to 
make it through, and that's through verse 10. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 10. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. I want you to catch that. God has dealt to every one of us. Turn to someone around you and tell them, tell them that means you. God has given every one of us a measure of faith. I've said this to you before, but I'll stop and say this to you right now. So if God has given every one of us a measure of faith, then what are you saying to God when you say or you tell others, I just don't have faith for that? I just don't. I just, I just don't think I can believe for that. I, do, I just don't. What are, you, what are you saying? You're basically calling God a liar because God's given you the measure of faith. And here's how God gives you the measure of faith. He gives you exactly what you need in order to believe for whatever it is that you are going to walk through. And you grow in your faith as you go forward. And so, watch your tongue. Watch your words. Don't, don't, don't give your flesh and your adversary any more ammunition. Agree with God's word. Rather than, I, I, I like the man in the Bible that says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> He, you know, he didn't just say, I just can't believe for that. I just don't. There's just no way. That's just not possible. I can't believe that. He said, Lord, I believe, but help that area that I'm struggling with that would be unbelief. Because God has given to each of us a measure of faith. Have hope. Keep your hope in the Lord. You have to have hope that, that whatever you need, God will supply. And as you walk with him and grow with him, you can trust him. Verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now listen. So, We've been given faith, right? We established that in verse number 3. And now we are hearing that we have been given grace. Amen. So we have faith to believe God. And now we've been given grace to operate in what God has planned for us. Amen. We all have gifts that we provide. We, we all, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So what should we be doing with the gifts that God has given to us? Yes, right? Use them. 
Use your gifts. Don't sit on them. Don't, don't debate whether you could or not. Use the gifts that you have been given. Discover what it is that God has brought uh, into your life and then use it. Use them. If it's prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. Hmm. If it's ministry, serving, let us use it in our ministering. So if, if serving is our gift, then when we are out serving, serve. <laughs> That's in essence what it is saying. How many times do we forget when we are serving in ministry that we are to be serving? That means we are to be helping others. We are to be, we're not, we're not in this so that we can be seen or we can get glory for it. We're out to lift others up. We're there for them. We're there for that other. We're preferring them above ourselves. Then use it in your ministry. He who teaches, teach. Amen? Let me, let me say this, and I might get ahead of myself, but that's all right. If you have the, a gift that you feel is a gift of teaching, and you don't see a place you can use it, then Gather your family, gather people around you, and start right there, and start getting in the Word. Gather your friends, and start studying the Word together, and develop the gift that you see in your heart, because here's the thing. The gifts that God has given you will manifest them, your, themselves and show themselves as you begin to use them, and they will manifest in the body then, and then you will be placed into areas as God opens doors. Amen? There's never an excuse to not use your gifts. Never again say, well, they just didn't make a room for me to use that. Quit waiting on others and use your gifts. Amen. Y'all still with me? Verse 8. He who exhorts. To exhort doesn't just mean preaching. It's to encourage. He who exhorts in exhortation. So encourage people. He who gives, then give with liberality. He who leads, lead with diligence. He who shows mercy, be cheerful about showing mercy. Amen. Nothing worse than someone that just wants to be merciful to you, and you can tell it's just killing them to do it. <laughs> right? Well, I know I've got to show you mercy. No, be cheerful about it. Amen. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Now, how many of y'all believe we're going to make it all the way through all ten of those verses tonight? We are we're probably not. So I said I'm going to read those because that's my hope. An expectation that we might, but whether we will or not, I, I don't know. We will just find that out together here. But let's get into this. We need to learn to live in hope. The actions of hope. These are the actions. So Romans 8, we talked about it. It talks about hope. But now 12, Romans 12, begins to put into play the actions that are going to be necessary for the people of God, the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be who God's called us to be. How many of you know it's not enough to just know God's got a plan and purpose for you. You have to walk it out. Amen. You have to engage. So we have to be the pursuer. We have to go after the things of God. 
So let's look at this a little bit. First, first thing we'll talk about is those first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Number one, right off the bat, first action of hope that we need to find ourselves in in Romans chapter 12. Make your dedication decisive. Now just hear that. It's a little bit of redundancy, but that's all right. Make your dedication. So if you're dedicated, it should be decisive, but sometimes it's not. Make your dedication decisive. Be decisive. Settle the issue. Amen. How many of you understand that if, if you are not sure, if you don't have this settled, that you are Christ, that you are in the kingdom of God, that this is your life, that this is your existence, that this is your hope. If that's not settled, there is no way you will present your bodies a living sacrifice. That has to be settled. And so you got to get that said. Nothing should be able to shake you away from that. That you are Christ. That your life is in him. That you died to the old person and you are alive now in Christ. We have too many Christians that live on the edge of wavering in and out of their life with Christ. And it should not be so. It should be settled in our hearts and minds. Because we are asked to lay our bodies out as a living sacrifice. To make our life now become a sacrifice for God's kingdom, God's purposes, and God's plan. And the only way that's going to happen is if we are decisive in dedication. That we have made a decision. Amen. I think we, we need to focus a little bit more on when we come to faith in Christ, we need to make an, an understanding that, that this is a decision that is settled. Let me say this to you. If you will never waver in that decision, God certainly doesn't. So the only way you begin to walk away from that decision is if you waver if you allow something to get in the way if you allow somebody else to cause you to get so discouraged or so and and it's wrong when people do wrong things that's that's wrong when christians say one thing do another and hurt people treat people bad all of that's wrong but that is still no excuse and no reason for you to waver in your walk with the lord they will stand before God. God will be their judge. They will have to give an account for those actions. But you never let the actions of somebody else determine whether you waver or stand strong in your commitment in Christ. Amen. And so we, we need to make our dedication decisive. We need to be sure because we are asked by God to do some very strong things here. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That, I mean, that's, that's, that means we are alive for as long as we are alive, we are a sacrifice. We are giving our life up for the cause of the kingdom.
Amen. And keep that, make that sacrifice holy. How do we do that? By walking with Christ, by looking unto Jesus, by staying firm in our faith in the Lord. Make that sacrifice acceptable to God. Faith pleases God. Without, poss- without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? You, you have to have a pursuit of holiness without, without uh, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. So we have to keep that holy. We have to be acceptable unto God. Come to Him with a right heart. Come to Him with a, with, with a, a honorable intention. And that is our reasonable service. Amen. That's not even asking anything extreme from us. Our reasonable service is to lay our life down for Jesus. Amen. When was the last time we made that our sermon topic? Our reasonable service is to give everything. Amen. We feel like we are martyrs for Jesus if we have to park on the third row at Walmart. Or if somebody says something mean to us. No, our reasonable service is to just lay down our life for the cause of Christ. To just give it all unto him. Our dedication must be decisive. And that's reasonable. And then do not be conformed to this world. But let your mind be renewed by being transformed. And then you will prove that will of God in your life. When your mind is renewed, when you're thinking the right way, when your life is laid out for him, when transformation now that you receive when you accept Christ is becoming reality in your life and your mind is being renewed by the word of God, then, then we will prove what is that good and perfect will of God. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Amen. Are y'all following me? So you got to have a dedication that is decisive. Let me give you some uh, scriptures to kind of go along with this just a little bit. Turn with me if you would to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul is writing to Timothy, a son in the faith. In, in 2 Timothy, he's going to conclude as he moves forward because it's going to be the last writing Paul gives to Timothy. And he's going to talk about he's run his race, he's finished his course. But in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, Paul says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us. Called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. It's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, brought life, immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Here it is, verse 12. For this reason, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. That is decisive dedication. 
Paul said, I'll deal with the sufferings. I'll count these things that I go through as nothing. But I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed in. Amen. And I am persuaded. The question I want to ask you is this. Are you persuaded? See, if you are persuaded, you can always have hope. Being persuaded is an action of hope. Because being fully persuaded and settled in your mind means you have placed all of your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. We have far too many today that call themselves Christians that are not fully persuaded. They are halfway persuaded. They are persuaded in good times. They are persuaded when temptations are light. They are persuaded when everything is favorable. But when things go sideways. You ever had things go sideways? When the world turns upside down. When situations look difficult, they waver. Amen. Now, when we are young in our faith, those times will be more often as you mature in your faith. Hopefully, those times will be less and less. None of us are perfect, but we all are comers through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So just because you have wavered, just, it probably means you are immature in your walk with the Lord. All of us are still maturing in our walk with the Lord. But get it settled. I have settled my walk with the Lord. I, I, I have no inkling of a desire to walk without him. I have, I have zero desire to go back to my old life. I, I just don't, because there's nothing there. That's dead. Amen? That, that means my hope is not in any of that. It doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't sound good to me. When I, I get online and I see old friends and I see they're out doing all the same old stupid stuff they did in high school, right after high school. And I see that several, of them, uh, quite a few of them have never changed from that. That has no appeal to me. That's, no, that's not a temptation. I don't even have a desire to go back to that stupid life. I'm just speaking for myself. Amen. There's nothing there. I've made my decision. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this as long as the Lord will have me. I may not be perfect, but he's told me I can have victory in him. That I can overcome because of him. And he's told me if I do fall, doesn't mean I have to. But if I do, I've got an advocate that I can call upon him the G, to Jesus Christ, the Savior of my soul. And he'll pick me back up. My decision is settled. It is decisive. You can't talk me out of it. No person could talk me out of it. No circumstance could talk me out of it. It's settled. Are you settled? Do you know whom you believe? Do you know Jesus Christ is your answer? He is your only hope. Are you fully persuaded? That's, that's the question. It, you, it has to be. Otherwise, you cannot walk in the actions of hope. Things will steal your hope. Let me go to another one. Go with me to John chapter number 6. Probably one of the most difficult times... Outside of the cross 
that we see in the life of Jesus and his disciples as he walks upon this earth is John chapter 6. Outside of the cross, this chapter is a very, it starts off with the feeding of the 5,000. He walks on the sea. But starting down around verse 22, on the following day, People were standing on the other side of the sea. They saw him. They came. They wanted to come, and they wanted him to feed him. them is really what they were doing. So Jesus answered in verse 26. He said, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You seek me only because you want what you want. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So then they asked him about it. And he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom you sent. And and you just read through verse 32. Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you that. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, Lord, give us this bread always. They still don't understand what he's saying. And verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Hmm. Amen. Verse 38, I have come down from heaven. Do not do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Then verse 41, the Jews then complained about him because he said he was the bread which comes down from heaven. And they said, don't we know this man as just a man from one of us? Basically, he says, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. One may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread. (laughs) Amen. He said, I will give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of this world. And so now they say, how can this man give of his flesh for people to eat? See, because they only ran to him because of They wanted him to feed them some food. They wanted him to show them this this miracle and give them what they want. They didn't want his teaching. They didn't want to understand. They didn't want to come because of decisive commitment. They were only there for what they could get out of it. They weren't living sacrifices. They were alive people wanting what they could get from Jesus. So Jesus says, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. No, that's not what Jesus did. He even went farther. Because he could see what was going on. He knew what they were saying. So here's what he said. He said, well, let me just say this to you. Most assuredly, I say to you in verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Amen. How many believe Jesus probably would not have grown a megachurch today? I I kind of doubt if the whole world would have been clamoring to him. They would have shut him down on YouTube. They would have taken him off of Facebook and Twitter. They would have done all that stuff to him when he starts talking like this. Because they're saying, well, how can we eat of your flesh? So he he didn't say, oh, no, no, you didn't understand me. He said, hey, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. How many of you just take take out 
what you have learned over these years. And just put yourself on that day. What would you think? This guy is crazy. Come on, can we be real? Take off your, take off your holy goggles. Oh, not me. I, I. His own disciples were very confused by this. And I'll get there. So don't, don't think you are so holy. Oh, not me. I, I would have understood what he was. No, you wouldn't have. That makes no sense. That sounds like cannibalism. Amen. Amen. I mean, we, we sugarcoat the gospel. And Veronica and I were just talking last night. Uh, she had asked me a really hard question about a passage in the Bible. And, and she was asking me about that. And I said, there are sometimes the Bible just has some really hard passages. And I can, I can tell you from study, this is what it, what it means. But it still doesn't make the passage any less hard. That's where they are. He said, verse 55, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. <laughs> I mean, he just keeps going. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum, verse 59. Verse 60, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself, his disciples complained, and he said, does this offend you? Verse 62, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? <laughs> Amen. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples did what? Went back and walked with him no more. Hey, I was just looking for some loaves and fishes. Somebody told me there were free handouts at Capernaum by this guy named Jesus. I just showed up for the church dinner. Hey, wait, man. Well, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> if that's all you show up for, show up for the church dinner. Because you might hear something that you might not understand, but God can get a hold of you. They said, no, no. We just, we just showed up for the miracles. Okay. From that time, though, many of them went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus turned and said to the twelve. That's the inner. That's the twelve. That's the ones that have walked with him, that, that have, have slept in the vicinity with him, have spent their lives with him now. And he turned and he said to them, do you also want to go away? I love the response. Simon Peter answered. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? A amen. Now, that's not a real resounding yes. I'm with you. It's more of a, Lord, I don't really know of anyone else I'm going to follow. I'm looking. I'm thinking. 
Where's John the Baptist when we need him? Amen. Amen. Lord, I, I, to whom are we going to go, he says. But he said, you have the words of eternal life. I might not understand it, but I know you have the words to eternal life. Also, not only do we know your words are the words of eternal life, also, we have come to believe and know. Do you see that? We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You remember when John, or when Peter makes that statement in Matthew 16 when Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter had a revelation from God that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter says, I, I don't really know where else we would go. We know you carry the words to eternal life. This sounds weird. This is hard. This is difficult. But I know there's something there. I don't look to go anywhere else. I believe and I know. I have come to believe and I know you are the Son of God. So I know you're going to bring this to us. You're going to show us what it is that you are saying. So we're going to stay with you. And then Jesus said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and even one of you is a devil, speaking of Judas Iscariot. And as they walk with him, he begins to reveal to them he is the bread of life. Do you remember what he does on the night before he's betrayed? He takes and he breaks bread. You remember what he says to them? He says, this bread is my body broken. Take and eat. Amen? He's explaining to them how he can be the bread of life. He's explaining to them that he's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to give of his body for them. And this is my body broken. The stripes I'm taking on my back. This is my body given for you that you can have life and healing and help. And then he takes the cup, the wine, and he said, and this cup. Is my blood carrying the new covenant that I'm going to share for you. So drink of it. And, and he's explaining to them what was so hard for them to understand as they just kept walking with him. But here's what strikes me in that. Even when they couldn't understand immediately, they had come to believe and to know him in such a way that they were going to keep walking with him. Come on, I'm going to be real with you tonight. I'm, I'm going to be very real to you. On this journey with Jesus, there will be times, and there will be things that you go through. There will be times that things occur that you won't understand. And let me tell you, the only way you're going to keep on this journey with Jesus in those times, first of all, he'll give you the grace and the mercy and the faith and the hope that you need to stay with him. But the only way you're going to do it is if you have come to believe and know that he is your Savior. Your decision has to be decisive. How many of you would say, Pastor, I have walked through some things that I, I do, still don't fully understand. 
Any of you? Some of you? I, I've got my hand up. There are things that happen all the time that I don't understand. Is, this, is that too real? God never told me I'd understand everything. He told me, have faith. Now, what I learn, he shows me. He reveals to me. He reveals to me his goodness. Do you know when you see the mercy of God? Listen. Do you know when you see the mercy of God? When do, when do we see the mercy of God? Anybody? Anybody have a guess? When somebody cries out? Okay. Everywhere. Do you know when we see the mercy of God for ourselves? When we need it. Hey, come on now. We understand mercy, but you don't truly walk in it until you need it. And then you realize God's got it for you. Amen. Do you know when hope is at its greatest? When things are at their darkest. Do you know when faith is proven to be true and powerful? When the miracle is the only way out. Amen. See, we, we, we need to get these things settled because there's going to be times in life that won't make sense to us in our flesh nature. If we don't admit that, if we act like that's not true, we are doing a great disservice. Because then when people come to know Jesus and they give their life to him and then they bump up against something they don't understand and no one has ever told them how to have faith through the things, how to get to the word, how to find the word and let the Lord reveal to you he's good at all times, even in difficult times, how to draw near to him and let him comfort you when you need it the most, even when you do it. We don't tell people that. They don't know. And then they just, they're left to their own devices. Now the Lord can help them out, but we have a responsibility to tell them. Hold on to him. Have faith. Hold to hope. Trust God. And then we got to get to the word. That's why it's so important you know the word. Because if you know the word, then when difficult times come, you may not have the full understanding of why everything happened, but you know where you can go to find the source of comfort and help in your time of trouble and need. He is an ever-present help when? In my time of need. Now, he's always present, but in my time of need, I know where to go. I know where to run. When I don't understand, I know where to run. Do you know when, when your kids are little and something happens? Let me, let me, let me. We've got a little puppy at the house, a little bitty thing. And we put that little thing outside to go to the bathroom in our backyard. And we've got a big dog in, that, that let out in the backyard behind us. And so we'll take that little puppy and we'll put her out in the backyard to go to the restroom. Well, we hope she will anyway. <laughs> right? And she'll be out there for a few. And if that big dog back there, she's never seen it. She doesn't know what it's all about. But when it barks, you know what she does? She runs wherever I'm at. Because <laughs> she doesn't know what that is. But she knows where to go. Oh, come on, somebody. Have you ever seen your kids 
when they're little. Something scares them. They may not know what it is or what to do, but they know where to run. They can run to the one that they know will protect them and love them. Let me, let me help you right now. Whenever you run up against something that you don't understand or it's frightening or it's fearful or you can't make sense of it, rather than sitting there putting yourself in peril and harm's way, run to the one who you know loves you. He'll comfort you, help you, guide you, and he will teach you. And the Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. Amen. What an, what an amazing thought. This is how you have hope. you got to have a decisive decision so that your hope can remain even through things you can't quite understand. When Paul prays, one of the apostolic prayers that Paul prays for the church as, as the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul prays for the Ephesian church, church at Ephesus. And he prays for them in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. He said, here's what I'm praying for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, verse 17, Ephesians 1. That he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Amen. He prays for the church that you would know the hope of his calling. I'm just, there's something in me that just won't let that go. We're not, we're not going to get any farther than that. And that's okay. These are the actions of hope. And that's, that was my full intention. We're just going to walk through this chapter. And we're going to discover the actions that are going to be necessary. If we're going to be people of hope prepared for what God has. So the first one is make your dedication decisive. Make a decision. There have been times in my life that things have happened. And the only conclusion I have come up with is, Lord, I don't understand this. But I know you are my Savior. And I know you're my source. And I believe you are going to help me through this. Amen? And there are some things I still haven't gotten answers for. Amen? But my faith has not wavered. I've walked with some of you. When you've went through things that we don't have answers for. We, we don't, we don't, we don't have, and, and you know what? The worst thing we can do in those moments is try to make up answers. Amen. Have you ever went through something you didn't understand and you had some well-meaning people that just tried to make up some answers? Amen. Did that help very much? <laughs> no. That didn't help a whole lot. Amen. That, that, the best thing we can do is just say, you know what, I'm here with you. 
We're standing beside you. We're praying for you. And you just keep pointing them to Jesus. He's, he's still good. He loves you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to help you. That's your only hope. And if we can get there, we can go anywhere. Let me, let me say that again. If we can get to that kind of hope in Christ, from there, we can go anywhere. Because when you have it so settled that nothing can move you, Paul got it so settled in him that he no longer cared that his life could be taken from him. He had it so secure in him. He had such hope in Christ that he would write things like, For me, to live is Christ. Me just living in me. To die is gain. He said, but my prayer is that if I'm left here, it's for your good. Amen. I mean, that, that, that's a man full of hope. I mean, and that's a man who was beaten in just about every city he went into, was thrown in jail, was stoned and left for dead. They would take him outside, drag him out, leave him for dead. He was in shipwrecks. He was in peril of sea and perils of land. He, he, was, he, was, he was in famine, in nakedness, in peril of all types. But this is a man who had such a decisive dedication that he said, For me, if I live, it's just Jesus living in me. And if I die, it's just gain. And which I'm going to choose, I don't know. But if I'm here, I'm going to just... Be all I can for you. He had hope. Church, brothers and sisters, take the first step, the action of hope, and make your dedication, your commitment decisive. Amen. By knowing and coming to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Action number one. With a whole bunch to go. Stand to your feet with me. We're pursuing. We're following. We're trusting. We're putting our lives on the altar, a living sacrifice. And asking him to renew our minds with his word and transform our lives. Amen. How many of you in this room tonight believe? Amen. Then walk in that belief. And have hope. That's found only in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Lord, I pray that you would take these words and you would just, just settle this in our hearts and minds. Lord, there, there are, this world is full of 
troubles and trials at times, difficulties. Oh, you bless us through them all. You're so good to us. The, your blessings far outweigh the difficulties and struggles of this life. But there are struggles in this life, Lord. But our hope is in you. And it's settled. And so we will walk with you. We will be prepared for what you have for us. We will pursue you with all that we have because we have settled this. Lord, I pray that in every life, Lord, when we go through things that are just, they boggle our mind, they're so hard for us to understand, that we will turn to you. We will run to you. We will find you as that shelter in a weary land. We will shelter under the wings of the Most High. And we will be ready for all that is ahead of us. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen.